Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Screen Geeks Radio, episode 132. This is Dave. This is Barry. This is Ethan. And joining us very specially via the glory of Skype, our UK correspondent, the man who covered the London Film Festival for us, Mr. Jack Rexon. How the heck are you, sir? I'm well. Yay! All right, we got an international show. I feel like we should all just hold hands and well, sing We Are the World. Ethan counts as international, you know. Oh, yeah. Oh, no, okay. No, but now we're like, we're super international. Oh, we're, we're transcontinental. We're expanding, yes. I'm across an ocean. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure there's an I'm on a boat joke there somewhere, but I'm just going to leave it alone. Uh, well, well, here KFC is called PFK, so booyah. And really? here TJ Maxx is called TK Maxx. I got nothing. We got a Wendy's serving 40 million customers nationwide. No. I, I haven't seen any Wendy's here. I'm so mad because that's my favorite fast food restaurant. Is so. it really? You got to think for those square burgers? Uh, yeah, and the chicken strip. Well, it actually tastes like meat at Wendy's, you know, as opposed to, you know, McDonald's, which is like cardboard. Oh, McDonald's is beyond disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. I had first McDonald's in years the other day, and I just realized why I hadn't eaten it in years. <laughs> have you ever had their McGriddle? That is beyond disgusting. I had that one year. Um, I wanted to have breakfast before I was going to teach a class. And, you know, McGriddle is literally, a, you guys probably know this, it's two pancakes with, uh, with basically a breakfast sandwich on the inside of it. And the pancakes are blueberry pancakes. Um, it, it must have festered in my stomach for about three days. I felt like I was pregnant. It was so disgusting. Wow. Yeah. So it's the breakfast version of the double down. Yes. Yes. I don't know how I survived that without a stomach pumping. <laughs> Actually, while I was in the states, my goal was to have a double down. Did you Did you accomplish that goal? No, <laughs> I couldn't find it. Did you at least get to hit some in and out? No, I don't know what that is. Oh, sir. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Beautifully awesome burgers. They only serve in California, really. So, Jack, by not having a double down, you just added like 15 years to your life, man. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, Jack, tell us a little bit about yourself. What do you do in, in, in London and other such things? Yeah, in in London, what do I do? I um, I'm a I'm a university student at the Royal Holloway University of London. I believe that's its full title. Um. And that's I study media arts because that's that's a subject. <laughs> uh, that sounds so and, much uh, more prestigious than like you know Pikes Peak Community College. You know, yes, just, yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, have we lost Ethan? Did we? Looks like we did. I think we have. Huh? I'll have to call him back. Okay. I think he's ringing in. Yes, I I, I just called him. So, uh, Ethan, you there, buddy? Yep. Okay. Okay, we're back. We were we were talking about Wendy's. <laughs> yes, we were. We were, and and then we went to talking about the, the glorious life of a university student in the yeah, UK. Yeah, this used to be a show about movies, but somehow it's become about fast food this morning. <laughs> it's because we're off. We're getting a couple hours early. That's true. So you're studying um, media arts, just kind of hang out, loving movies. Yep, just watching some movies. <laughs> Do you have a, a a favorite five, Jack? Do you have like five that uh, you would want to be on a stuck in a desert island with? Um, yeah, kind of. Um, I have two. Okay. Uh, free actually, free, free. Okay. Uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, the South Park movie, and North by Northwest. 
excellent choices. That kind of covers everything you could possibly need. Yeah, really. Those, those are the three basic elements of survival, I think. No, that's great. <laughs> no, no, no David Spade movies? <laughs> I was just thinking about David Spade today. <laughs> I was. I watched the DVD and it had the ad for the bench warmers on it. And I thought, my God, this was a movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little behind in my David Spade movie. I didn't see bench warmers. I didn't see Joe Dirt. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a few behind. I didn't see Dickie Roberts, former child star. Well, I saw that one. That's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason you're behind, Barry. <laughs> you have more important films to watch, you know, like The Room. That's right. That's right. Which I'm showing to my class in uh, uh, two weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, I want. Yeah, this uh, this this week, this coming week is Southland Tales. We're spending Tuesday and Thursday watching Southland Tales, and then the following week, you know, Thanksgiving week, so we only have one class, and that's going to be Primer. And but then when we get back, it's going to be the room. So. I wish you could record the audio track just of them watching the movie. They tend to be really quiet and horrified when the movies are genuinely of that caliber. I mean, when I showed uh, the Toxic Avenger a few weeks ago, like I, I thought that would go over really big. Cause, I mean, you know, I got a really rowdy college class, you know, but I think they were kind of horrified by the Toxic <laughs> Avenger. They didn't really know what to do because you know the, the the sense of humor was so juvenile, and you've got cackling teenagers <laughs> running over mentally handicapped children for fun, you know. And the movie is, you know, the movie wants you to laugh at everything because that's Lloyd Kaufman's type of movie. But, like, I think my class was genuinely, like, disturbed by it when it was over. They didn't know what to say. So, Oh, that's going to be awesome. <laughs> you need to sit in there and laugh just so they know it's okay to laugh. But yeah, but then I'm the only one laughing and I sound like I'm insane. They think I'm a pervert for laughing at, you know, they think I'm a pervert or a seriously demented man to be laughing at, you know, mentally handicapped children being run well, over I, by I a meant, car. I meant for the room. You know, you can oh, laugh during the, dur- dur- during the love scenes and stuff, you know. Well, that, yeah, but then I, I'm the creepy pervert laughing at the love scenes in the room, so. I'm so envious of your class. I'd love to sit down and watch the room <laughs> with just all the students in my class who would not get it. Oh. Uh, uh, it's, it de- it's definitely a lot more fun than, like, Eisenstein's strike. <laughs> wow. That's, that's special. So before this derails any further, really, maybe we should like start talking about movies and TV and stuff. I don't know. Oh, yeah, that's right, because we are ScreenGeeks.com. Yes. I suppose. I suppose. Yeah. Let's talk about what we watched this week. I got one whole thing that's not going to be in our main topic, okay. um, which, if just in case you're curious and you haven't noticed by the title, it's a festival wrap-up. We're going to have a good time with it. But The Walking Dead, holy crap, that show keeps getting better. Tell me, are you watching this, Jack? I don't think it's aired over here, and I know the channel that airs on I don't have. Oh. So... Not yet. I might wait for DVD. Okay, okay. It keeps getting better. They they kind of do a, a, a takeoff on the Dawn of the Dead theory. You know, trying to get escape from a shopping mall. Except this time it's a department store type thing. The whole point of the Walking Dead, the first opening bit, was the author decided to take as many of the tropes and, and staples of a zombie movie and put them into this into his comic and put his own spin on them and make them try to feel a little bit more realistic. And it's really dark. It's really twisted, but it's freaking awesome. It's Probably my favorite show on TV right now. And how many episodes are we in? Two. Just two? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. but they've they've been keeping very true to the source material, making deviations, but they're very organic deviations, not just, you know, randomly, hey, we're going to throw a clown in there or something, you know. That's just random. (laughs) Um, All all I've heard about it is how bad the acting is on it. Really? Do you find that's the case, or...? Not necessarily. I, th- I tend to take it more as people who are freaked out in a really messed up situation. So mm. I, I, I don't know. I've, I'm really enjoying it. It's working it. for you. It absolutely is. Okay. Yeah. Between that and Mad Men, and I still need to see Breaking Bad. Like AMC is really establishing yes. themselves. As Breaking Bad's wonderful. 
I yeah, best show. That. Best show on TV. Okay, I need to put that on my Netflix queue then. Because I thought about it. I was in Costco and they had like the first season for like 15 bucks. And I was like, well, I'm going to rent it. I'm not going to just buy it blind. Yeah. Though fifteen bucks is pretty good considering what we were talking about Doctor Who DVD a few weeks ago <laughs> for fifty two dollars for thirteen episodes. Oh man! Which I gotta say, they're pretty much the same price over here. BBC really up the price for their DVDs. They're really proud of those DVDs, aren't they? No well, reason to be. Well, <laughs> what I don't get is the fact you can buy all three seasons of Torchwood for like sixty bucks, imported from the UK, and they're region free. Are they under the impression? Because I mean, Disney. You know, I'm not gonna like like point my fingers at the BBC. Disney does the same garbage. Well, they release like Flight of the Navigator on DVD, twenty eight dollars, no extras, nothing, not even not even widescreen. It's full frame. Well, now you can get Flight of the Navigator for like eight bucks at Walmart. But it's still that DVD with nothing yeah. on it. Though. Yeah. I- it's uh, what is the one that annoys me all the time? It's um, every episode of Blackadder is I think about fifty pounds, and I think there's one documentary, and that's it. <laughs> I, but six episodes of four seasons or series over here, in fact. Um, so twenty four episodes and then documentary for sixty pounds or fifty pounds, in fact. <laughs> Just, I, I will give the BBC this much on the Doctor Who stuff. They tend to be pretty loaded out sets. But still, still. Do they just know that we're such lemmings that we're going to buy it no matter what because our fandom is so complete? I haven't bought it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I heart me some Doctor Who, but no, no, I'm not spending that kind of money. Um, Jack, do you want to go next? Well, what have I watched? I've watched a bit this week because that's what you do when you're a university student. <laughs> um, uh, this morning I watched Zero Effect. I love that movie. Which I hadn't seen. I hadn't seen it before. I was impressed. I didn't know what to think. And um, it's kind of like Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but not as good. Hmm. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my review. Because like, uh, I only watch because I'm quite a fan of Jake Kasdan's other work. Yeah. I really like Orange County and Walk Hard. But yeah. um, no, I liked it. I did like it. Um, watched uh, Walt Disney's A Christmas Carol, which... <laughs> Which I like. I find it fun. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with I, that. Did, did, could you tell the parts that they were get that they made specifically for the upcoming theme ride if and when they ever make one? Yes, I, I can definitely and I can definitely see when it's um where it's supposed to be three D and um I think this is one of the films that definitely relied on three D when it came out. Mm-hmm. I've, I've always loved the story of Christmas Carol. Ever since I was a kid, and watched the Muppets Christmas Carol, and uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> never watched, never watching a proper telling of the story. <laughs> um, well, that's proper. Honestly, it's proper. It's you know, Michael Michael Caine. You know, Michael Caine was a great Scrooge. Bottom line, I'm, I'm a huge Jim Carrey fan, and it worked for me. Okay. Uh, I saw Due Date. How is that? I mean, we uh, we heard Ethan's take on it, which was which was mixed to negative. What did you think? All right, I didn't think it was bad. I don't think it, I I laughed all the way through, but I didn't think it was like a good movie. Mm. <laughs> I, um, so you felt guilty not, laughing through it? I don't think I felt guilty. There were some genuinely funny things that made me laugh, but um, it just. It just got so silly after a while, and just like, eh, eh, eh. Um, but no, and it just started making me think because I think I've laughed more in this than I have any other comedy this year, hmm. 
and that's really depressing to me. There's been really poor comedies this year. Yeah. Did you see Jackass? I haven't seen Jackass oh yet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you to, you Yankee. <laughs> Did you see to. Jackass 3D? <laughs> now there's a comedy. I can't wait to Jackass. So. <laughs> 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 All right, well, let me let me throw this out, Jack. Have you have you seen um, have you seen Cyrus? I have seen Cyrus. I liked Cyrus. That's and, my um, that's was, my favorite comedy this year. I think my favorite comedy, not the one I laughed in most, but um, Four Lions for me is the best comedy I've seen. Really yes, I've heard that's fantastic. I can't wait to see Four Lions. Highly recommend. I it. thought uh, Trash Humpers was pretty funny. <laughs> I saw Trash Humpers last year. <laughs> Did you find it the feel-good comedy of the year, or? I found it to be the strangest thing I've ever seen, and I loved every minute of it. Wow. Well, see, Dave, see, we got two people now telling us they love Trash Humpers, so we're clearly out of the loop here. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. It's a downer. Yeah. Anything else, sir? Uh, yeah, I uh, got the uh, Beauty and the Beast Blu-ray. Oh, very which good. Which is stunning, absolutely stunning. It's disgustingly gorgeous. It's fantastic. And I, I was watching it, and just at one point, I just realized I was crying. <laughs> Which is, um, you know, I get my man points. <laughs> uh, um, but no, I loved every minute of it, and every extra on that disc, it's, it's fantastic. Um, everyone should pick that up. So... Um, I've been. I saw in class um, a film called Millennium Mambo. Hmm. Anyone know what this is? No. I've heard of it. I've heard of it. I've seen it. I don't know what it is. I was not a fan. It's a Chinese movie. I didn't understand anything that happened in it. I don't know why we watched it still. <laughs> um, it was just very odd. Did your professor like it? I mean, did your prof- professor... professor loves it. Yeah. And we, and we have a seminar afterwards where we discuss the movie, and um, he's and everybody in the class didn't understand what we just watched. Because <laughs> it was one of those films where you're watching it, and then you're just sitting there, and you think, oh, a movie's on. I forgot. <laughs> oh, I can had a, somewhat of a similar experience this week in class, actually. In film aesthetics, we watched this uh, short films, experimental short, and it's um, it's like ten minutes of a of a guy like it's alternates between shots of a guy trying to cut off his own tongue, being scratched in the face, a shot of like intercourse and like a paintbrush, and and the soundtrack is destroyed, 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 destroyed. <laughs> so, Sounds like a regular weekend to me. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Harmony Korean movie. That, how disturbing! It was. Uh, it was interesting to watch it with a whole class. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> All ten, ten or so minutes of it. My goodness! Wow. Do you have anything else you wanted to bring up, Jack? Um, just the Fresh Prince of Bel Air, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> you can never go wrong with the Fresh Prince of. Prince of Bel Air. I was reading an article the other day about Carlton, how Carlton was one of the few really great African American characters on American television after the uh, Huxtables. I'm not making this up. Where where did you read this? Oh gosh, what was it? It was some it was some student editorial, but it was like it was a very scholarly article about like you know how 
how you know between him and the Huxtables, you know, they basically brought in the idea of the educated black man. You know, and I'm thinking, well, man, Carl, Carlton, Carlton, a- Carlton was a bigger nerd than Urkel. Like when you think about it, <laughs> seriously, all I can think is doing I, the Carlton dance. That, that's all you need to just kind of discount. I the whole would thing. love to see him make a comeback. A kind of Robert Downey Jr. comeback and suddenly him as lead roles and stuff. He should have been War Machine. (laughs) Alfonso Rivero, nice. (laughs) I love that you know his name. I think uh, Will Smith should, like, give him a part in his next movie. Like, it'd be a nice little uh, tip of the hat. Or Or in his kid's next movie. Whichever comes. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maybe he can do uh, background vocals on the remix of Whip My Hair Back and Forth. (laughs) I, I saw a heavy video to, to that yesterday. It terrified me. It's a, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that was bizarre. I did see it for the first time the other day. That was a strange experience. Do I need to experience this? You should, because you there's really no way to describe it. I mean, it really is. It is kind of like trash humpers. It's in a category all by itself, you know. <laughs> I whip my hair back and forth. I whip my hair. Yeah, it's like it's it's and redundant. It's it's a it, yeah, and she does, and, and she paints. It's 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 you know performance art. <laughs> Okay, I've got to check this out. Yeah. All right. Um, Barry, why don't you go ahead and talk about what you've been watching? Sure, sure. Um, well, you know, because the Denver Film Festival had a special <clears throat> special presentation of this film, I wanted to see it for myself. I hadn't seen it in quite some time, and that's Magnificent Seven. Nice. Um, yeah, I, I uh, just wanted to throw it on and experience it again. i got to say, uh, perfect film. Perfect. It is. Uh, Eli, for me, it's all about Eli Wallach as the villain. Because you know the, our heroes are great, but like they really have a great match in Eli Wallach. And Wait, I, just a, I forgot. Doesn't he play a Mexican in that? He does. He does. Wait, so so would you say he's in Brown Face? Oh, oh <laughs> way to bring it back. You know, to bring it back to Carlton for a second. Here's something about that article I love. They were saying that Carlton <laughs> is a historical character because he is one of the first characters to ever do a show in whiteface. And they give the example that there's a Halloween episode where he plays his favorite actor, Macaulay Culkin, in Home Alone. <laughs> I, did, I don't remember that episode. I don't remember that either. No, I thought I that's really interesting. That. <laughs> so Urkel Wait, had Urkel does it say what Does it say what season this is? <laughs> No, it didn't. It didn't. It just said that, you know, it was like, it was a noteworthy example of a, of a black man trying to emulate a white person as opposed to the other way around, you know. Does that pretty much just define Carlton, though? <laughs> well, there you go. Carlton, the essence of Carlton. Yeah. See, there are obviously more. What's that? Is it positive that he did that? <laughs> see, there's clearly so much scholarly work just waiting to be written about Carlton, see. I mean, we're laughing about this, but clearly there is just like books and books and case studies. Well, I know I'm doing my final thesis on that. Yeah, see, there you go. See, it's a ripe topic. See, now is the time. It's been 20 years. It's not too soon. I, I was going to do my English-Canadian film paper on David Cronenberg, but I think I can make it about Carlton somehow. Just, well, what's his last name, by the way? What? Banks. It's Carlton Banks? Okay, yes. I couldn't remember. Oh, okay. yes. Yeah, that's right. Cause, yeah, it's, yeah. So The Magnificent Seven. The Magnificent Seven, yeah, great movie. <laughs> <laughs> movie. What I love about The Magnificent Seven is how you've you got, in every scene, every actor's trying to one-up the other one. Yeah, yeah. Like, every time you know Steve McQueen's in a scene, he's trying to draw attention to himself on the camera by just right. fidgeting or doing whatever. Yeah, it's so much fun. My favorite scene in the movie, uh, and it, it's such a small moment, but it's such a funny throwaway, is where uh, Steve McQueen is feeding uh, he's feeding food to the orphan children, you know, and they're extremely grateful. And Steve McQueen is, like, one of the only guys in town who's not getting any. And he turns to the one boy in town, he's like, do you have a grateful older sister I could meet? <laughs> 
Anyway, very good film. Yes. Um, also, uh, getting caught up on films that came out this year, I saw uh, From Paris with Love with John Travolta. Um, this movie, it should be a guilty pleasure, but it not doesn't quite go as far. The action sequences are fantastic. I thought Travolta was in real playful, fun form. I think <clears throat> the two biggest problems I have with the film is that uh, Jonathan Rhys Myers, um, his his accent was just a little too phony, I think. Um, I think he was kind of doing the Tracy Ullman thing where it sounded so exaggerated. I, I it, just, it sounded like he was clearly doing an impression. And in his first scene, I thought he was like a spy pretending to be an American, but it turns out he's just playing an American. And he's, he's, not, <laughs> oh. he's a really strange match, I thought, for uh, for John Travolta. I really think they could have found a better, more you know, more wily actor to, to be opposite Travolta. And the ending to the movie is dreadful. It's a, it is a disaster of an ending. Um, it is literally, without spoiling it, it's literally talking a terrorist out of out of doing a suicide bombing. And this is clearly one of the worst suicide bombers in the world who could be talked out of, uh, you know, a suicide bombing. So anyway, yeah, the, uh, From Paris with Love is, is good for a while. And for a while, I thought it was a real guilty pleasure. Some great, great sequences and set pieces. But uh, I thought the ending really, really blew it. Um I managed to see The Runaways, the uh, Kristen Stewart film about Joan Jett. Um, not a bad film, but not it, it just doesn't have the fire. It, it it needs you know like it needs like the fire in its belly, and it doesn't have that. Um, How's the, um, uh, Sorry, we have like three people uh-huh. talking at the same time. Yeah. I go oh, first. Okay. I go. I go first. <laughs> <laughs> How's uh, Michael Shannon in it? Michael Shannon walks away with the entire movie. His performance is spectacular. He's like what keeps the movie alive when it starts to really, really dwindle. Yeah, I love Shannon's performance. Uh, I got to see this earlier this year. It just came out this year in uh, the UK. Okay. And it's on my worst of the year list, I thought. (laughs) I thought thought it was really dreadful. (laughs) I thought it was so kind of... It didn't, because it's called The Runaways, but it's hardly about the band at all. Right. And it's just, it's so kind of started. Michael Shannon is fantastic in it, I will admit that. I just thought the rest of the movie was so bland and so kind of, I just couldn't care. And it's got the girl from Arrested Development in it, Elias Walker, and she doesn't have a single line right. in the movie. Right. <laughs> I, just, I just kind of started getting me very angry, and I was just watching it, it's like, Oh dear! I completely agree with you, Jack. I, I couldn't believe like they've got her in a movie, and she is clearly such a talented actress. Yeah, literally no lines. She, she has a few cutaway scenes, like cut to her reacting to the other girls, you know, fighting against each other. Scout Taylor Compton from the Halloween remake. She has, I think, like three scenes in the movie. But really, it's about you know Joan Jett, and it's about the Cherry Curry character uh, played by Dakota mm. Fanning. It really is about Cherry Curry more than anybody else. And you know, I wanted a Joan Jett movie, and really, you don't get it. Um, they should have. They should have called it then a taste of cherry. Uh, wow, uh, that would have worked. <laughs> I just love that title. <laughs> you know, I hate to admit it, but I'm sure there's already another film that already used that title, though not a film that's uh, on the net- Netflix queue. But yeah. Anyway, I don't know. They carry all kinds of movies there. They do. They, that's true. That's true. And finally, a film I saw because I was forced to, namely, uh, after forcing Julia to watch some pretty uh, heinous movies, I'm like, okay, I'll give in. And I watched uh, Letters from Juliet with Amanda Seyfried. <sighs> yeah. Um, wow. Uh, visu- <laughs> you know, visually beautiful, good looking movie. But when you waste Vanessa Redgrave, who is such a magnificent actress, and you waste her in the grandma role, the role that, uh, that Angela Lansbury could have done, you know, with both arms tied behind her back and you waste it on Vanessa Redgrave. I thought that was a real crime. The film is completely 
completely disposable. Okay. You know, it's the kind of movie you watch on an airplane and you really try your hardest to walk out on, but you can't because you're in an airplane. So. Well, I almost ended up seeing that. <laughs> you're a wise man. Yeah, you don't need to see that. <laughs> I saw Chloe, the Adam Ugoian film, which had uh, Amanda Seyfried in it. And even though I don't think Chloe is a particularly good movie, in fact, I think it's kind of kind of laughable, um, I think what Seyfried does in that movie shows more clearly that she is a ca- an actress to watch who's willing to take chances, who's really interesting. Um, and the movie itself, again, like even though I don't, I don't think Chloe is a goody going film, I think it's a really good showcase that Seyfried certainly wants to, you know, not be the next Meg Ryan. And I think movies like Letters from Juliet and Dear John show her trying to do like, you know, a 1990s Meg Ryan career career path. And I hope she avoids that. All right. Well, well Ethan, why don't you wrap us up? Oh, I got a lot here, so this is going to be a long wrap-up. But um, So about a week ago, Sunday night, we just had a floor meeting. I was sitting in my room on Facebook, and my friend Ryan messaged me saying, hey, I'm going to go see Megamind. Want to come along? And I'm like, <laughs> I don't have anything else going on. <laughs> and... <laughs> No dramatic pause. Uh, so yeah, I spent seventeen fifty to see it. Oh, IMAX three D baby, and uh, uh, it was. I, I guess the thing I can say about this movie is that it's harmless. Like it's it's made for pretty much the Jay Leno audience, <laughs> and uh, it's like the kind of movie where this because it's about a supervillain. The soundtrack consists entirely of eighty songs with "bad" in the title. Ah. <laughs> So, eh, I I liked it, I guess, better than some films I've seen this year. So, you know, a film is bad when it's, when you have to tell a story explaining why you saw it. I'm the same way about Spice World. There was this girl I liked from France, and uh, she was she was an exchange student at my university, and I was going to take her to see the Christian Slater movie Hard Rain because she liked Christian Slater, but it was sold out. So I took this girl to see Spice World, and I didn't have and enough. Spice World wasn't sold out. Spice World was not sold out. Shockingly, Spice World God. was not. There were there were some tickets available and some seats. In fact, if I remember clearly, clearly there were a lot of seats in Spice World. But in any case, I didn't have any cash on me. I just had all these coins. So I remember like literally going up to the ticket booth and going, "Hi, two for Spice World." And like Scrooge McDuck smacking down this bag of all these dimes and quarters and pennies. Mind if I pay in pennies? <laughs> and uh, needless to say, there was not a second date. Um, yeah, but anyway, no, I, I can relate to that, Ethan, because I think all bad movies, the the very experience of seeing it, you you kind of have to like, it's kind well, of like, it's part hi, of my name is Ethan. Is, we, we arrived too late. Like I couldn't even get snacks. So Aww. like I mean, at least if I had like a, a, a slushy or something, it would have been a little better, but. <laughs> All right. <laughs> sad. These are sad stories. What else have you seen, Ethan? Uh, on a better note, I saw Werner Herzog's Wojtek with uh, Klaus Kinski. Yeah. Which was quite a good film. It has the opening credits of this movie are some of the maybe one of the funniest things I've ever seen in a movie. It's um, basically Klaus Kinski just being abused by this drill sergeant. And the just the facial expressions of Klaus Kinski are amazing. Like it's both the funniest and most sympathetic I've ever seen him in a film. That's great. It's, uh, it's definitely worth seeking out. Um, next, continuing the David Cronenberg kick, I uh, watched Naked Lunch for the first time. All right. I think uh, this movie is proof of Kubrick's quote. Was it about, it's like, if a, 
if it can be written or thought it can be filmed. Yep. And people, like they said, Naked Lunch was uh, unfilmable. But the thing is, which, what I believe and which Kubrick said is that you can just take the most basic idea at something and then go off into something else. Like I read some criticism of this film. I actually say that Cronenberg made it too much his own and not enough Burroughs. But the thing is, for it to be a movie, you kind of have to make it your own. Right. So... And uh, I will not get the image of Roy Scheider uh, pulling off a latex woman costume out of my head. So, well, why would good. you want to? <laughs> why would you want to? Wow. <laughs> yeah, this is a it's a pretty revolting movie at times, but no, I, I agree. I mean, I think the fusion of the two artists is brilliant, and I think it's uh, it is a movie that is in a category all by itself, and I think it's one of Cronenberg's finest. I'm tempted. Um, towards the end of my, my um, underground cult cinema class, I'm tempted to have it be like the last film I show because my class, I've had a few students ask like, are we going to show any more, are you going to like show us any more shocking movies? Are we going to see like one of those challenging movies? Because like Eraserhead really messed with my students. So I'm tempted to show them Naked Lunch, but I'm afraid they'll like, you know, like pillage and, and burn down the yeah. the classroom at the you, end of it. You should just show Robin Hood. <laughs> have you seen Robin Hood yet, by the way? No. You can you, you can make them watch Videodrome, Dave. I, I've <laughs> the movies I've seen for Ethan and Ethan is no, this, I your this class. Is, this is a one way relationship, man. Like <laughs> he has not seen Robin Hood, but I like I have gone out of my way to see Old know, Dogs. I saw and, Old and Dogs, and I saw you know even though I like the film, I saw Enter the Void just so Ethan and I can talk about it, and he has not seen Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. Well, to be fair, it's because I watch movies on my laptop, and I—it's like you know—it's like a big epic. I'd rather watch it on Blu-ray and a big, big screen. So I'm just waiting to see it. Well, In all fairness, I'm British, and I don't even want to see Robin Hood. <laughs> <laughs> I stand alone with my love for Ridley Scott's Robin Hood. I should see it at some point. <sighs> I'm all, I'm all alone here. All right, what else have you seen, Ethan? Uh. I watched the Adam McGoin film Ararat, oh. and uh, the interesting thing about this is um, in my English-Canadian film class the week before, we watched uh, Anar Jawad, The Fast Runner, mm-hmm. and we also watched a clip from Ararat, and he asked us to compare how subtitles are used in each movie for political and artistic reasons, and the thing is I thought it was really unfair to ask that question by only showing a clip from Ararat, mm. so I went out and watched the entire film. And um, I'm glad I did because it's a good movie, and uh, I was able to answer that question very, very thoroughly. So good for me. Well, I, well, hey, you brought it up. What, what is, what's the answer to that question? How, how, how can, how can uh, subtitles be political? Well, I'm just saying because um, he's because uh, Goyan's film is about the uh, the Turkish genocide or the no wait the Armenian the Armenian genocide in Turkey. And some one of our writers in our course pack was arguing that by having some of the film in English, he was lessening the impact. But I, I brought up the fact that the movie is just as much about North American culture as it is um, Armenian culture. So it's you kind of have to have the English. Like um, Elias Koteas is in the film, and a, a North American guy he plays is very important and whatnot. And uh, it's actually a really interesting movie because you can totally see a Goyen taking uh, pot shots at Spielberg. Because hmm. uh, I don't know if you've seen the film, but it's about the making of a, a film about the uh, Armenian genocide. And there's a scene 
late in the movie where they're watching it. Like I think it's a premiere like the Toronto Film Festival. I recognize it because I've been in the theater where they were showing it. And um, it totally just looked like Egoyen was kind of like mocking that like Spielberg, like Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan kind of like grotesque like uh, World War II film. So I, I really thought it was an interesting and worthwhile film. Does Coteus play Spielberg? No, um, Ar- Armenian. Well, it's like an Armenian director, but Coteus plays this half Turkish guy who plays kind of like the sort of like the Ralph Fiennes kind of guy and okay. the, the Mongoeth kind of guy in the movie within a movie. So, okay. and Bruce Greenwood's in it too, and he plays basically like he looks exactly like Colonel Sanders in it, and he <laughs> he he plays like this American doctor who's well actor playing an American doctor in the movie, and uh, Christopher Plummer's in it too. Wow. It, it, yeah, it's good cast. And uh, Eric Bogosian, too. Oh, man, what an amazing cast. Yeah, so it's it's very much worth seeing. Um, next, I watched Altered States. Oh, I love that film. It's it's interesting because it's like I, I, I have no idea how that movie would be, like, marketed. Because <laughs> it's so many things at once. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, and, yeah, it's... It's sort of like I sort of was thinking while watching it. There's probably a lot of like subtext and deep themes kind of like going over my head while I'm watching this. But I almost think the movie is just like this exploration of different visual ideas more than it is like deep thematics about God and creation or whatever. But um, though it's another one of those 80s movies where John Larroquette just kind of shows up. That's <laughs> right. Those are the best ones. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting that this film was promoted as a sci-fi horror film, but you know, you make a really good point. I mean, it's it's a shame that young audiences don't really know who Ken Russell is. You know, the the cult for Ken Russell has essentially come and gone because when it came out in 1980, it really was the new Ken Russell film, and people, you know, who remember The Devils and Tommy went to see it because they knew they weren't going to see anything like they'd ever seen before. And this was Altered States is interesting because it's a fully funded major big studio. Ken Russell film, you know, and towards the end of his career, he didn't even get that. So I love that it's, you know, it's such an untamed, crazy movie. But I love all the caveman on the run scenes. I, th- I think those scenes are so fascinating. Yeah, it reminded me a lot of The Fly, actually. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, oof. Next, I, I took a, a huge bullet. I took one for the team here. So don't give me more crap for not seeing Robin Hood. Okay. <laughs> okay. I watched. Okay. I watched Grown Ups. Oh, Ooh. bless your heart, man. Bless your heart. Oof. Did you lose a better? <laughs> no, I was like, I have to, you know, I have to take one for the team here because you guys keep doing it, but I don't. So it's like, I'll, I'll watch, I'll watch Grown Ups. So it's not this year's. Good, is it? It's not this year's. Um, this, this, well, this uh, might, this might come as a surprise, but this movie, uh, it's not funny. <laughs> no. I, the thing is, I don't like all the guys. In the, I actually think they are funny and likable in their own regard, regards. Well, except for Rob Schneider, but like, like I think Adam Sandler is honestly. I think he's likable, and I, I think David Spade can be funny, and I think Kevin James is very likable, and Chris Rock is fun too. But just oh, this movie, brutal shit, man. So it's no, it's no Wild Hogs. No, man. There are times when this movie's unfunniness actually borders on old dogs. <laughs> All right, then. The trailer made it look like The Great Outdoors. Any any comparison to that film? Have you seen The Great Outdoors? I think I have, but this this movie has like no plot at all. Mm-hmm. Like there's like it's like it wants to be like a hangout movie, but 
it's not very fun hanging out with pee jokes. <laughs> but I'll say there is one funny thing in the movie, and again, I'll do this with all bad comedies. I'll spoil the best line where um, there, there's this um, kind of running joke throughout the movie about this nanny they have who – or no, not nanny, the grandma to Chris Rock who has this like big mal, uh, malformed toe. And like uh, Chris Rock calls her like Toby Bryant and stuff like that. And late in the movie, when he called her Toe J Simpson, I laughed. <laughs> you just saved us all seven fifty apiece, man. And that thing made one hundred and sixty million dollars. I, I'm like the idea of sitting in a theater watching that with an audience of laughing people like disturbs me. Now you that know how I felt is, during Trick the Third. That makes money, and then funny people doesn't. More people well, want to see Adam Sandler do that than, or Adam even Sandler. like, even like that. It made more like than the other guys. Oh God. Yeah, that is that's a really good point you made there, Jack. Because uh, I mean, Funny People makes fun of movies like Grown Ups, and Funny People was a box office disaster. But Grown Ups is like one of the, you know, it's another one of those Adam Sandler blockbusters that you can't. I don't know anybody who liked Grown Ups or Chuck and Larry or what's the one Click. Um, or or what was the other one? Uh, Zohan. I don't know anybody who liked those movies, but they were huge, huge blockbuster hits. I assume it's all eleven-year-old kids seeing it. The way I used to go. I like Zohan. You like Zohan? Okay, <laughs> I didn't like Zohan. <laughs> I thought Zo- I thought Zohan had its laughs, but bad movie. But it had its laughs, which yeah. Other than, again, it had it had it, this this just only had Toe J Simpson. Worst part of Grown Ups is that it was the film that beat Scott Pilgrim at the box office in the UK. Oh, uh, that broke is Broke my sad. little heart. There's no justice in the world. I don't understand how Scott Pilgrim flopped everywhere. Like, I get it that we're, you know, we're the dumb Yanks over here, and the movie just didn't catch on with us, and, you know, and it'll be a cult film in a few weeks, but, like, the fact that it bombed everywhere, like, it just did not catch on, and, I mean, I'll Even just... Even in the UK, where it's Edgar Wright, where, I know. like, we... Everybody went to see Run, Fat Boy, Run over here. It was number one at the box office for five weeks. <laughs> and, and and Scott Pilgrim, nobody went to see it. I blame the poster and the ad campaign. I mean, do, do you think there's a reason behind this, or what do you think? I honestly thought it was going to be a big hit. I I was – when I saw you, Dave, in, um, in San Diego, you remember I was hyped about Scott Pilgrim. It was my oh, big yeah. thing. And I couldn't believe, and um, I got to see it on the night it opened again in a, in the when it opened in the U.S. They had a screening in the U.K. where Edgar Wright was in attendance, and the box office numbers came in. He's like, "Yeah, it's done all right," and I was like, "Oh, it's done all right." That's probably how I got home. I was like, "No, it hasn't. This is a lie." Oh. Uh, I, it's so weird about that movie because I I saw it opening night with a packed audience that clapped at the end, and I was like, "This is going to be huge," and then. Yeah. Yeah, and again, I did see it four times for free before the film came out, and then didn't actually pay to go see it when it came out. <laughs> and then again, I saw it in Canada. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw it at the Alamo Draft House uh, Theater in Texas, the legendary Alamo Draft House. It was a great experience. I liked the film a lot, and I, I really thought, well, you know, I don't think it's the best film of the year, but I thought it was quite wonderful and ingenious, and I thought it's going to be a huge cult movie. And nope, everybody else went and saw Eat, Pray, Love that weekend. And the Expendables. And the Expendables, and I think the Expendables was definitely a culprit to taking a chomp out of Scott Pilgrim's, you know, opening weekend. But but I saw sub- both. But subsequent weekends, yeah. I mean, you know, well, I really... if they had recut the Scott Pilgrim trailer with "Ever Wonder Who's Been Then clearly it would have made more money. 
<laughs> All right, you watch anything else, Ethan? Uh, yeah, one last thing. I watched Robert Altman's Popeye for the first time. Oh man, oh, that's oh. a brilliant movie. It's it, uh, it's it, I think my favorite thing about it was the soundtrack. <laughs> Oh, it's brilliant. I well, the most interesting thing for me was I the I that song that's in Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, he needs me. Yeah, it's well, it makes sense now because you know PTA is such a big Altman boner, but it's like just like I it's like now I know where that song is from, and that's like oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and yeah, it's like it's such a it's a really it's interesting like. I actually looked at, like did some background reading. It was actually like it did well at the box office when yeah. it came out, oh, yeah. which blew my mind because it's such like a laid back kind of like I wouldn't say boring, but just not a lot happens and right. It's like it's amazing that that was a huge hit. So yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Yeah. Wasn't it Robin Williams' first film? Yes, it was. Yep, yep, his first first starring role, uh, playing Popeye opposite Shelley Duvall as Olive Oil. Um, this was an interesting, I taught a class on Altman's films a little while back, um, a couple of years ago, and and uh, it, the interesting thing about the movie is that it, it did make $80 million in 1980, which you know was huge for 1980 when most movies didn't make even $100 million. Um, but it has this perception of being a flop, and that's because um, critics, you know, had a field day with this film. I mean, they they tore this film to pieces, and they said Robin Williams' career is over before it started. Mash was a fluke. I mean, they just like tore everybody in that movie to shreds. But it was successful, and I mean, growing up as a kid, I've, I used to watch this thing on a loop. But this was the film that ultimately got Robert Altman essentially kicked out of Hollywood because Hollywood thought, like, look how uninspired and how terrible this film is. And it was the, those years and years of making independent movies um, because of pop. By, and it wasn't until the player where you know after the player he finally was welcomed back in back into hollywood by you know trashing it to pieces with his own movie <laughs> interesting yeah anyway yeah popeye man and there, isn't there that one song where like robin williams is like singing slash mumbling or you don't i don't even know what is like excuse me excuse me pretty much for 15 minutes that's what it feels like yeah, like Paul Williams wrote the music to this, like you know Paul Williams, you know the the Phantom of of Paradise, and like I swear he must have spent like fifteen minutes writing the the score for Popeye. Although I liked Sweet Haven, I liked the opening song because they managed to squeeze in. He would rather pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. I've always loved that they managed to squeeze that into a song. All right, wow. All right, well, shall we move into what? Just to get it confused with. <laughs> no, go ahead, Jack. Uh, uh... Um, I always used to get it confused with Oliver Twist as a kid. I'm not sure why. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think they were the same movie. That's Watching special. Oliver Twist. Fagin, where's Bluto? Where's Bluto? <laughs> where's the octopus? <laughs> wow. Okay, let's talk about what's hit, what hit theaters this past weekend that no one went to see. All right. Well, let's see. Currently, the number one movie... Um, at, least, at least stateside, is the new Tony Scott film Unstoppable with Denzel Washington, Chris Pine, and the delicious Rosario Dawson. Opening, I think, in fourth or fifth place. Didn't open quite as well, but because it cost peanuts, it's certainly a hit of, of sorts. Uh, the critically destroyed Skyline, which I've not seen yet, <laughs> from the Strauss brothers, the, the creators and directors of Alien vs. Predator Requiem. That's AVP Requiem. Sorry, AVP Requiem. And then in limited release, a very good film by Alina Dunham. I like this film. I actually got to see it at the Denver Film Festival. Tiny Furniture in limited release, and hopefully it'll start to go a little wider. Yeah, I don't think any of us saw any of that. Okay. I saw Unstoppable. I, I saw Unstoppable as well. Yeah, yeah. Go, you go ahead, Ethan. You start. I liked it. 
I, I wasn't crazy about it, honestly. Um, and I don't think it's a badly made movie at all. And I think the ending is, was certainly suspenseful. But I thought, what a what a nothing role for Denzel Washington, who, you know, like all he has to do is show up and like, you know, exchange a few barb remarks with, with Chris Pine and that's it. I think Chris Pine is a wonderful actor, but I think he's too green to hold the screen with, with Denzel. I really don't think... I, I thought he actually, I thought he held his own, to be really? honest. No, I, I didn't get that. I just... Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think uh, I think maybe Donald Sutherland, but not but not Denzel. I don't think he's in that 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 caliber yet. And Rosario Dawson had more scenes than anybody, and she had all this plot exposition. I thought she was really wasted in this. Who who I did like? Wait, interrupt me. But uh, who I did like? It's okay. Who I did uh, like in the movie though was uh, Ethan Supley and T.J. Miller as the two kind of village idiots like right. I, they they reminded me like so much of people i worked with over the summer that it like <laughs> jack what, what were you gonna say jack I said, what happened to rosario doesn't she used to be this kind of indie queen who has worked with like, these very interesting directors yeah and then something just stopped yeah because in the last few years i mean in addition to unstoppable which is not in a, which is not a bad movie but you know between unstoppable and eagle eye and alexander on her resume well i'm glad she did alexander but between those other movies on her resume you know it just yeah yeah what it, exactly it seems like she's uh she's kind of going the parker posey route she used to be this indie queen and now she's you know doing these these studio movies with these really bad roles I will uh, discuss, though, the Tony Scott aspect of this movie. It's funny. I read a lot of reviews that were like, uh, oh, it's such a headache to watch. And I'm like, I think it's pretty toned down, actually, compared to like uh, Man on Fire Domino, or Domino or. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Yeah, I think it's yeah, I don't want to say it's one of his more watchable movies because I like Tony Scott movies. I grew up in them. But no, I agree. I think over the over the few years, a lot of his movies have become really kind of obnoxious. I I don't in terms of a Denzel Tony Scott movie, I don't think it's as good as Crimson Tide or Deja Vu, but uh, I do think it's better than the taking of Pelham one, two, three. I find it uh, interesting that you said that Chill Factor was a better movie. <laughs> I did think Chill Factor was a better movie, just because I'll remember Chill Factor. You can't forget speed on an ice cream truck, but you know, speed on a train. It's like you know, uh, Steven Seagal already did that with Under, Under Siege, Siege Two. Yeah, which I thought was also a better movie than Unstoppable. No, what I think is kind of interesting if you compare Tony and Ridley is that Tony, with his old age, is kind of getting crazier and crazier. Even though, like I said, this movie isn't as crazy as like Domino, but like Ridley Scott is just getting kind of like safer and safer and safer and more going through the motions. It's like, what's happening in that family? I don't think Body of Lies was a safe choice. I mean, Robin Hood is obviously, I'll, I'll admit, Robin Hood is a very commercial choice. but I Maybe, think maybe is, not safe, just bad is what I meant to say. Oh, <laughs> man. Here we go. Bash and Ridley. It's just what? like yeah, Ridley just sits behind the chair. He's like, yeah, Russell Crowe, just do an accent. I'm going to drink some coffee and take a nap. <sighs> Ridley and Scott then, has never made a movie. Get the smoke machine. Get the smoke machine out. Oh, get come James Horner on. on the phone. And Tony Scott is like, whoa, whoa, whoa! I want, I want Nine Inch Nails and a Jay Z song here, and swoop the camera around. And it's like, one's just totally into it, and one's just like going through the motions, man. You haven't even seen Robin Hood, which is a great movie. And for Pete's sake, t- Ridley Scott has never made a movie as bad as The Fan. Oh, I've been meaning to see that, actually. I kind of like The Fan. Why did you like The Fan? I don't know. It's been so long since I've seen it. I thought it was fun. I don't know why, but I thought it was fun. How is that fun? He's That was a sick movie. Remember, he kidnaps the kid. He, he knives Benicio Del Toro. and like, like I said, fun times. 
<laughs> Honestly, it's been probably at least five years since I've seen it. So I just remember liking it when I saw it. Hmm. All right, shall, shall we move on to <laughs> what's hitting DVD this week? Sure, why not? Because there's good stuff and, oh, the, the crap title. Oh, All right, well, let's see. We got two, we got a few big movies coming out this week, and by big, I mean just big, success, successful films. Avatar, the top-grossing film of all time. The three-disc extended collector's edition. So this includes the Na'vi love scene. Um, it's hente. It's tentacle porn because it's the tentacles are yeah okay never mind. I, th- I think I think it's more I think it's more just like hair braiding. <laughs> Fair enough. All of a sudden, okay. I'm thinking of My Little Pony. Um, uh, Disney's A Christmas Carol, the Robert Zemeckis film from last year, a perfect time for this to finally get released on DVD with Jim Jim Carrey and a lot of other great actors like Colin Firth. Um, one of the most critically bashed films of the year, if not all time, M Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. Yep. Yeah, there's that. Uh, I'll see it. I'll see it. Um, I want to ask what, what what Jack thinks of this. My favorite of the Robert Zemeckis stop motion animated films is coming on DVD this week, and that's the Polar Express. Do you like that one, Jack? Or Polar Express scared me to death. <laughs> the cold dead eyes. It was, uh, it, I, I found it terrible. I've only liked two motion capture films so far, which was um, A Christmas Carol and Monster House. Okay, yeah, Monster uh, House is terrific. Wait, did you say stop motion animation? No, motion capture. It's motion capture, Barry. And you call yourself a film professor. (laughs) I've been bested by Ethan once again. All right, so (laughs) Polar Express coming out, 3D, Blu-ray. There you go. Um, One of the more overrated films of the year. Not a bad film, but I don't think it was quite as good as Wait, you mean one of the more... Uh, one of the mo- one of the more say it one of the more overrated. <laughs> that would be the ki- that would be <laughs> of all things to have as a trademark. That is sad. The kids are all right. The new film with Annette Bening and Julian Moore, both in fine form, and especially Mark Ruffalo. He's also good in that too. Um, a film that was in theaters literally five minutes ago. Cats and Dogs: The Revenge of Kitty Galore. I kind of like the title, but. We didn't. We didn't. We did not need a cats and dogs sequel. Uh, here we go. One of the event films of the year. Dave was raving about this earlier in the year. Uh, the Complete Metropolis, Fritz Long's masterpiece, restored with the additional found footage. It's gorgeous. It, buy it and don't look back. <laughs> and we got a few masterpieces here. Uh, Night of the Hunter, one of the one of the shoot one of the scariest films of all time. Excellent film. Robert Mitchum, awesome. The Criterion uh, edition of that. Criterion, excuse me. Also on Criterion this week, Charlie Chaplin's Modern Times, one of the great masterpieces of of, of movie making. Which, if you're in the U.S., you can pick up any of those Criterions for half off at Barnes and Noble for like twenty bucks huh? this week. So yeah, it's cheaper than Doctor Who season five. It is. Mm-hmm. You could buy three movies for the price of one <laughs> copy of the Blu-ray of season five. <laughs> And, and if get, you're in the UK, you can never get a Criterion DVD or Blu-ray. Actually, actually, that reminds me. I was looking for the Antichrist Criterion Blu-ray, and I, I don't think we got it in Canada. Really? Huh. Yeah. Now, to be fair, Jack, you guys do get the Masters of Cinema series over there. Uh, we do, we do. But I, it just annoys me that Criterion lock all their Blu-rays because I want the Thin Red Line on Blu-ray. Yes, me too, me too. <laughs> Wait, wait, no, but Antichrist and Blu-ray, even better. <laughs> we can already, I can get, I've got Antichrist on Blu-ray. But Criterion Blu-ray, you know they're going to put Criterion that. Criterion Blu-ray. You know they're going to put just that much more effort into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to say, if I was having like a crowded party and I had to choose between like, and I really wanted to like clear the room, <laughs> if I had to choose between like the Thin Red Line or Antichrist, I'll tell you what would work like, like magic. <laughs> whack whack with the 
wood plank. I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the flying slow-mo baby in the first scene would kind of do it too. But you saw it, right, Dave? I, I've seen like the first 10 minutes. Oh, <laughs> you saw the opening scene. You got you to, gotta, well, I, you know, I almost said you got to see this movie. like but... the rest of us. What? You suffer like the rest of us. <laughs> I almost feel that way because I feel like you really do got to see the entire thing just to get the extent of, of its strengths and weaknesses. Cause... Actually, I got to the part right as he, he he got to the deer. Oh, okay. Wait, did you just miss Chaos Reigns? Did you not see the talking fox, Dave? No, no, I missed the talking fox. Oh, man. Uh, so, best part. Because after that point, for me, that's when, you know, depending on who you talk to, I think that's when the movie really gets completely off it's rock or crazy okay but uh, there's some good out. stuff prior to that point i love the scene where she's hypnotized and she's in the in the woods remember that yeah, and she's having yeah. a premonition of every, every place she's gonna go yeah all right sorry sorry and then finally uh also released on dvd and blu-ray uh twilight zone my favorite show of all time season two good yes. stuff and then uh movie dave and i are just completely nuts over the documentary best worst movie about troll 2 and our crap title of the week, because yes, it is finally coming out, because you asked for it. I, actually, I don't know of anyone who asked for this. I don't know who would ask for this. But we're getting Clash of the Titans on Blu-ray 3D. This is the remake of Clash of the Titans. I can only hope they didn't do anything with the 3D. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I hope they, they just kept the same beautiful glorious 3d i've heard so much about it was so weird dave because like i saw you know i think i had the same experience as the rest of america i saw it on the big screen julia and i sat next to each other and during halfway through the movie i'm like you know kind of lifting my glasses up and down like other than the screen being darker where's the 3d we didn't see any effects you know we had the pegasus flying and the kraken and nothing or randomly someone's hair starts floating behind them because the 3D was done wrong. Yeah, not a good movie, by the way. But man, the 3D did not did not help. It didn't exist. There was no 3D. Yeah, yeah. All right. Shall we move on to some news? Yes. All right. Um, did anyone else see the Green Lantern footage? No, I did. I didn't see yeah. it. Yeah. I really have hopes for this movie still, but the suit looks like crap. Uh, I'm the only person who likes the suit. Hmm. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> What did you I, think? I, uh, no, no, you no, go. No, Ethan, Ethan, go for it. What did you think? I was just going to say, I plan on being like in Europe when this movie comes out, so I, it's like whatever. I'll see it like a year from now on Blu-ray. Fair enough, fair enough. Outside of the suit kind of being off, and I don't I don't hate it as much as I did in the, when I saw the Entertainment Weekly issue, um, it's growing on me. I, I, the fact that we got to see Kilowog made me very happy. Um, I want to see a full trailer to really get a better idea of it. Yeah, I mean, even just based off this 25 seconds, it just looks like, you know, pretty typical superhero bullshit. But it's like, like, I don't know. It's like, why are, why is people getting, why are people getting so angry over this? Because he's a cool character. Because they got nothing else to get angry about. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's like, can you get angry about, like, real movies? Oh. <laughs> Well, it reminds me of like when Brandon Routh, the first images of Superman oh Returns gosh. came out. And people are like, the S is too big. The S is too small. The cod piece is too big. The cod piece is too small. This suit doesn't look authentic. Which was far nicer than what people were saying when they first saw the first pictures of Brandon Routh. Mm. I'm yeah, just, which is childish yeah. and juvenile. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, I really can't say that without us getting a, a pure explicit tag, some of the stuff I read. So, <laughs> mm. yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Um, I'll just do my one other bit of news because Jack has got my third one and I can't wait to talk about that. But uh, <laughs> we've got some some casting theoretically for uh, the green for the third Batman movie, and um, 
Ooh, Batman casting rumors. This is new. Yeah, it totally is. It totally is. I think the only reason this is any kind of news is because it gives you an idea of who they're going to cast for as far as characters go. And with them throwing out the names Anne Hathaway, Keira Knightley, Blake Lively, Natalie Portman, Naomi Watson, Rachel Weisz, I, I think they're going to be going Catwoman. Haven't most of those people already been in comic book movies? Let's see. Um, comic book movie. Yeah, Natalie Portman was in V for just, Vendetta. Just Blake, Blake Lively is in one. Is she? Yeah, Blake Lively. Isn't she in Green Lantern? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Kira Knightley, I mean, she did that, that cockamamie King Arthur movie a few years ago. Um, Anne Hathaway isn't anything. Anne Hathaway, well, gets smart and kind of it's, in that, it's in that, not a comic in that genre. Though, yeah. Naomi Watts, King Kong, so she's done genre. And Rachel Weiss, uh, well, she was in Chain Reaction, but I don't know. Mummy, Mummy. <laughs> oh, the Mummy. There you go. That's right, the Mummy films. I don't know. But yeah. She was in Constantine. That's thank there you, you go. thank you. Yep. Well done, sir. Well yep. done. Yep. There we go. Oh, and Naomi, hey, hey, I got it. Naomi Watts, Tank Girl. She was in Tank Girl. I still have not see seen, what I did there. I still have not seen Tank Girl. Well, Dave, between that and Antichrist, you need to have just the greatest double feature of your life. <laughs> <laughs> well, it sounds like the night of buddy of mine made me watch uh, Dead Alive and uh, Leprechaun in the Hood. Wow, that was an interesting man. Movie. At least you started off good. Yeah, Dead Alive is a good movie. Yeah, yeah. All right, what else has anyone else got? Uh, well, the new film that James L. Brooks has it coming out. Uh, it's called How Do You Know with uh, Jack Nicholson, Reese Witherspoon, Owen Wilson, and Paul Rudd. Looks like a very good film. Um, it's been slapped with an R rating, which uh, you know it opens Christmas Day, and the, if it's a good film, the good reviews will carry it. But uh, this is definitely going to keep away the legally blonde crowd. So, All right. Yeah. Oh no. Oh no. Yeah. Dun, dun. And then finally, um, this is I'm going to present this in the form of a question. You guys know Should I'm we going with this. Should we save this for the end? No, no, no. Do okay. It. Might as well just do it right now. Okay, gentlemen, uh, which is a more ridiculous title: The Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rising, or Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol? Uh, well, again, like I, I said before the show, if The Dark Knight Rises or Rising is like one of those Kenneth Anger films, like uh, Scorpio Rising or uh, Lucifer Rising, I'm, I'm down. Hang on, I'm going to flip a coin here real quick. Okay. <laughs> See what do we get. Call it. I forget what I was even going to call it. No, it's, <laughs> it's probably Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's Mission well, Impossible. Mission Impossible sounds like a very bad video game. Yes, exactly. <laughs> well, it sounds like a Ghost why, Recon ripoff. Why? Like, why can't they just call it MI4? Like, why not? Well, because they're trying to span a new franchise. That's right. According to Mr. Cruz, who is also the uh, the executive producer of the film, he said he wants this to be a standalone film. We'll just call it like Impossible or something. <laughs> <laughs> or or mission or mission or impossible mission or i like you can do better than that fair enough all right what have you got ethan uh the only thing i have is that colin farrell has been offered the lead in the remake of total recall and i bring this up not that i'm interested in it but in that i think this reveals a larger point about hollywood you know how colin farrell he kind of fell out of good graces for a while and then he kind of you know by doing like in Bruges and uh, Dr. Parnassus and oh, Crazy Heart and um, The Way Back. Yeah. Like he established all this like indie cred and now he can get all you know these great roles again. But it's like this shows that you get all this good cred but the only roles you can get are in remakes of 80s movies because he's in the Fright Night remake as well. Right. So I think this just reveals how crappy Hollywood is right now and how scared and how shitty it is to be a movie fan. I think it proves that, and it also shows that, like, you can get so much momentum 
without even a movie opening because apparently the Fright Night movie is really good. That's the wor- good in quotes. That's the word around Hollywood. And apparently Farrell is really good in it. The movie just got pushed up as opposed to pushed back um, on next year's summer movie release. Instead of opening in October, it's opening in, in early August. Um, so this is like one of these examples where, okay, they think he's going to be hot again. So let's like take this quote unquote hot actor and put him in a movie. The same thing happened to Jason Patrick. You know, he had, um, he had Sleepers, which was supposed to be like his big breakthrough in a mainstream American movie. So he got the lead in speed too um and that completely destroyed you know his his you know his hollywood career um and even colin farrell this happened remember like in in 2003 when he was like in every movie he went from the recruit to phone booth uh to daredevil you know well i was gonna i was gonna say it's like his career is relapsing almost yeah, and, and you know, I guess it depends on how these movies are. I mean, I'm assuming the Fright Night movie is, you know, maybe fun, but you know, obviously it's not going to be like working with Terrence Malick, you know, or Oliver Stone, two directors he's already worked with. So he's got a film coming out next week over here called London Boulevard that's getting quite good yeah. write-ups at the moment. That looks really cool. Yeah, with Kira Knightley, that looks really, really cool. Yeah, I like Farrell. I mean, I think when he's miscast, it ends up like Alexander. But I think it, for the most part, I think he's a good actor. Even in that Woody Allen film, which wasn't very good, I thought he was pretty solid in that. So well, I, I, I'm just saying, like, I've been really impressed with him lately, and I, yeah. I liked him in The New World and yeah. uh, Tigerland. He's great, and I, yeah. yeah, I think he's a really good actor. It just it makes me sad to see such a good actor have to like be, uh, you know, the roles he gets, the leading roles are like in remakes of 80s movies it just it just frustrates me as a movie fan and I, and I completely agree with you I mean I hate that people when I say Maggie Gyllenhaal they go oh The Dark Knight she was so good in that I love Maggie <laughs> Gyllenhaal in The Dark Knight she's such a good actress I'm so glad she filled in for Katie Holmes <laughs> And that just nothing depresses me more than that because, for Pete's sake, um, I mean, I you know, like this list of comic book movies that Dave just just read of of, uh, of these actresses that are up for those roles. I mean, I think it's sad that like, oh, it's so exciting that they might be in the Batman movie. I mean, like, what about like, I mean, we should have been excited about you know about about Mag- Maggie Gyllenhaal like you know doing Secretary, not like, you know, or Stranger Than Fiction, or- right? Something where she's like you know extraordinary or Crazy Heart. Yeah, but now people know her as the girl from the Dark Knight. It's pretty sad. <laughs> All right, Jack. I know you have like the the breaking story for the week. Yes, there's a new Winnie the Pooh trailer out. <laughs> 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 it sounded so sinister the way you announced that. I appreciate that. <laughs> well, to be fair, you do kind of sound like you're going to go see the movie wearing an overcoat. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Come here, little boy. I have candy. You know, ah, uh, Dave. <laughs> All it's right, actually, so it, it actually the trailer I, looks good. I, it does look good. Did you did you like the trailer? I did. I'm a I am a big fan of Pooh, and, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I am. Uh, I'm looking forward to the movie. I really am. I um. Uh, uh, t- is this like a CGI what? animated? Uh... No, it's 2D. It looks like the old school 60s movie. Yeah. Hmm. Are, are there any like big celebrity voices? Craig Ferguson. Yeah, Craig Ferguson is uh, a hell. As long as there's no like Wanda Sykes as a skunk, right? None of that. No. no okay. No, 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 good. Not. Everything else. Sounds like the British uh, kid as Christopher Robin. Pardon? Did, did, you, did were you guys big uh, Pinky and the Brain fan? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Did you remember that one where um, they did? It was Winnie the Pooh, but Christopher Robin was instead Christopher Walken. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that one. Man, that's a brilliant idea right there. 
That was funny. <laughs> I need to go find that episode now because that's going to make like yeah, my year. That's great. Wow. All right. Well, let's go ahead and take a quick break, and then uh, we will be back to talk about, I don't know, who knows what we're talking about this week. We'll be back. In 2005, the crack unit of the bloggers were banned by a web administrator for spam they didn't send. These men promptly created their own website in the cyberspace underground. Today, still wanting a place to discuss their fandom, they survive as bloggers of sci-fi. If you have a favorite show or movie, if no one else can understand you, and if you can type J-O-N-J-A on your keyboard, maybe you can find... Janja.net. At Janja.net, you can find discussions and reviews in sci-fi, fantasy, horror, and everything in between, as well as exclusive interviews with some of your favorite celebrities and filmmakers. Join our forums now and subscribe to the Janja.net podcast. Everything is free, and everything is fun. We'll see you online at Janja.net. My name is unfortunately Rodrigo Cortez. I'm guilty of buried, and this is Screen Geeks Radio. And we're back this week. Um, you know, we, we, were, we got our dates wrong. Thanksgiving isn't next week, so we're going to do Denver next week, the Denver Film Fest. Thanksgiving is usually so sacred to us, and somehow we got the date wrong. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's a tricky day, so yeah. it's all good. I, I'm still going to be seeing another movie or two, so that'll give me a chance to get all caught up and everything. But so the spotlight is going to be on Jack. No Jack. pressure at all, but but this was <laughs> this was your first time. You, you covered the BFI, the British Film Institute's London Film Festival. Had you been to the festival before? Yeah, I've been going since about 2005. Oh, wow. But this was your first time I covering something in press. Yes, first time I I, I felt scared at the film <laughs> festival. So, so break down what what was the festival experience like for you this year? It was good. I mean, last year still holds up for me as the best time at the festival because there were films like Up in the Air, A Serious Man, Fantastic Mr. Fox, The Man Who Stare at Goes, just all these kind of films I thought were really fascinating. I got to see Trash Humpers last year as well, so, yeah. you know, nothing beats and Into the Void as well. Um, but uh, this year was definitely very interesting. There were some very, especially with the press, but I saw films I would have never seen before. And then films that I shouldn't have seen before, <laughs> but um, no, it was it was great fun. It's it it always is great fun. Cool, right? Did you get to yeah. uh, meet any cool filmmakers or anything? Uh, John Landis. Wow! Ooh. Holy crap! That's amazing. That's your profile pic on Facebook right now, right? Uh, it's changed now, but it was yeah. Um, he he was great. He he um, took a photo of me and said. You take this as long as I go see Burke and Hare. Which, which, uh, I really want to see that. Mainly. It's got the most terrible reviews over here, so I'm kind of waiting for DVD. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. But and um and Stephen Merchant as well, who was um Stephen Merchant who was very blasé when meeting me. <laughs> so I just kind of. He he was sitting behind me in a screening, and when the film ended, I got up and just was I just like, Mr. Merchant. I'm just, I just really appreciate all your work. Oh, thanks, thanks. That's really great. It's nice to hear. <laughs> and then it, just looked away from me. <laughs> now you should explain very quickly who Stephen Merchant is, just for people who may not know. Oh, yes, because I'm, I'm a co-writer of The Office and Extras and Cemetery Junction with Ricky Gervais. 
The oh, total goodness. guy with scary eyes. Yes. Yeah, he was uh, He was the guy who lost the swan in Hot Fuzz. Gotcha. Yes. <laughs> yes. Cool. He's very tall. Is he? <laughs> That's all I have to say about him. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Cool. Well, why don't you tell us about some of the films you got to see? Um, here's an interesting one. I got to see a film that I think it won something at Cannes. I can't remember what. And this is one of my, I think I saw this was the third film I'd seen of the day. And because I have to get up at 6 a.m. to go to the London Film Festival from where I am now, I was mildly tired. And I did fall asleep in this film Leap Year, which doesn't star Amy Adams. And (laughs) I wake up to see someone on screen urinating on someone else. <laughs> Which is the strangest thing to wake up to. <laughs> this is not just another weekend for you. No, oh, that, that's I don't think I've ever seen that before. And then I nodded off again. I woke up and he was putting out cigarettes on her. And I don't. I uh, after the film, I couldn't really find people who liked it. Fair enough. According to Can, it's wonderful. <laughs> um, I, saw, I got to see, um, you've talked about it before, but I saw Let Me In, which I thought was great. Yeah. It was it was fine. It was, like, if I hadn't seen the Swedish original, I'd be like, yeah, this is, this is cool. But it loses all the kind of suspense and the kind of fear that the original had and which was my because I, I love oh my God. well i was gonna say i why i love the movie is just because i i think it works great as a, a drama but oh well oh, i i i said it's definitely i don't know it just I, I felt like because i've seen just the other one i could i couldn't separate the two and it just i don't know it what it doesn't, I think. Fair enough. Uh, performances were good. All right, cool. What else did you get to uh, see? Got to see Buried. Buried is amazing. Everyone should go see Buried. I was just going to ask. Sorry, I I saw the movie like a month ago, and how did the ending get? What was like the reaction to the ending when you saw it? Applause. <laughs> I, I just. It was a big applause at the ending of that movie. Okay, because when I I saw it, I saw it in a pretty empty theater, but like there, this one guy at the end he yelled uh, he yelled out bullshit. So it's like <laughs> I'm like because like I mean I was fine with the I was fine with the ending. It was like a pretty typical like kind of Twilight Zone ending. But it's like I was just wondering to myself, is this something that like pisses off the mainstream or I don't know. Oh, I, um, Barry did mildly well over here actually. I- opened up number two in the box office um i uh no i think the ending i thought the ending was quite i thought it was just a wonderful way to um kind of just break your heart once again at the ending yeah like i said yeah it's like a a twilight zone kind of thing but the guy like this guy he like i was in the bathroom after the movie and he was like complaining about it he's like man it got like 87 percent raw tomatoes and that was the (laughs) ending and it's like shut up Well, you no, recorded the Q and A. Q&A. I, I need to convert it still, but we'll be putting that up at some point. But you, you actually got to see it with the director in attendance. 
Yeah, yeah, I did. Um, Mr. Rodrigo Cortez, who was very, very polite. It wasn't actually part of the festival, but it was playing at the same time, and it was um, it was just a Q and A screening, and it was he was so nice about. The, everybody coming out to see the film. He was very surprised. He he doesn't understand why people want to see a film of eighty-seven minutes of Ryan Reynolds in a box. <laughs> well, he's, as long as he's shirtless, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> but he was very humble about it, and um, it was very nice of him to stop and talk to me afterwards. And you could see that the studio people didn't want him to stop and talk to me. Really. <laughs> <laughs> but um because they just kept pulling him and i was like oh just just say this into the into the tape recorder thank you <laughs> <laughs> um what else did i see i saw uh in contrast to buried i saw 127 hours hmm. which i liked i liked it it's just nowhere near as good as buried hmm. wow. <laughs> um, okay. wow hello oh yeah no we're here um no uh yeah i i did like it a lot um it works it, well, franco's performance is fantastic and you really do get drawn into his character but what i i think with buried it's a fictional story they can create something up they really had to stick to the reality here and perhaps reality is just not as interesting as fiction sometimes and all the flashback stuff it as much as i like danny boyle it almost seemed slightly amateurish in the way he did it hmm. Interesting. which I, I it's still a good movie um i feel like i slag it off a bit but uh no i i really liked 127 hours cool. uh uh film my favorite film of the festival ended up being a little british movie called submarine which isn't about a submarine at all um, it's a coming of age story about a Welsh teenager it's fantastic it's uh, written no not written star, uh, directed by Richard Iowadi if, who some people might know from the series The It Crowd or the IT Crowd Okay. Uh, uh, he plays Moss in that and it's his sense of humour delivered wonderfully to screen it's it made me feel so much during this movie. I loved every minute of it. It's so, it, performances are wonderful. You've got some great British actors like Paddy Considine and Sally Hawkins playing roles that you've never seen them play before, and they're so good at it. And the two young leads, um, I forget their names now, they're so good. They're the best child actors I've seen in a long time. I can't recommend this film enough. If you do get a chance to see it, go because yeah. I don't. Uh, it's like a kids Woody Allen movie set set in Wales. <laughs> wow! Yeah, I've seen. I've, I sought out the trailer after you've been talking about it a lot on your Facebook page, and it looks really interesting. It really is. I I can't recommend it enough. Really, I think um, it will definitely be in my top ten at the end of the year. Hmm. Um. Saw uh, The Arbor, which my review is up for on ScreenGeeks.com. The Arbor is a very interesting type of documentary where they've taken interviews about this subject. It's a playwright who died a few years ago. 
and they've um they dub all these interviews with the original interviews and have actors play out the interviewees which is an interesting way of doing it i assume it's to give more drama and actually this ended up winning best british film at the festival but you're a big fan it's 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 different but it's it's good it's good but different it works and it doesn't work i liked it okay didn't hate it didn't love it i just liked it uh is there anything else to really talk i'm sure there uh, is did, did you see another sorry did you see another year the new michael Lee movie? i didn't get to see another year i'm desperate to see it. it's out now on general release over here um I, and it was just it was one that uh, ended up selling out when I was trying to get tickets to it. There was no way to it. In fact, instead of that, I ended up seeing uh, the family movie of the London Film Festival, Africa United, which is okay. There's nothing more to say about it, really. It's a very kind of forgettable family movie about African kids trying to perform in the World Cup. Hmm. Isn't Dis- didn't Dis- Disney put that out? Uh, over here it was uh, Warner Brothers. Was it okay? I thought I got an email about uh, that. I need to look. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's, it's it doesn't seem like I don't. I was watching it. I didn't know how kids would react to it, and I don't know how how much it's going to last with adults. It's, it's just one of those kind of movies. I'm sure I'd like it as a kid, but I don't think it'd be anywhere one that I'd rewatch. So it's no cool uh, runnings. Uh, it's not cool runnings, no. Oh, no, unfortunately wow. not. I, uh, the same day I got to see the, uh, It's Kind of a Funny Story, which yeah. I really didn't like. Really? Yeah. Was it, it what, but, was it because it, it kind of found a way to cheapen mental illness or what? It was because I hated the kid. Okay. I wanted him, I wanted him to commit suicide halfway through <laughs> the film. <laughs> he... He was so he was the worst whiny teenager I've seen in a long time. I just oh, I have everything. I go to a good school. I have great friends. I live in New York. Oh, my life is terrible. I'm just, just oh, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> and Galifianakis is good. The film would be better if it was centered around Galifianakis. And I can't buy that Emma Roberts is a disturbed teen because it's an Emma Roberts. It, it, she, she's not a disturbed teen. She's Emma Roberts. Uh, bro, uh, one of my favorite bands, Broken Social Scene, does the score. Was was the music good or did you like not even notice it? I didn't even know. I think it's a pretty good really. score. Sorry. <laughs> that, it, it, I just... It, I, it didn't work. The whole uh, the, the animation jumping, in. and for them, it's from the directors of Half Nelson. Yeah, which I didn't know till I saw it. I don't see how they went from that to this because this film seemed almost like it just took every kind of indie staple. Like, let's have these animated scenes, and let's do this. Let's have this character. Let's have a music scene in the middle. And it's just like, really. <laughs> Um, Fair enough. No, it was a. Uh, I saw um, a film called Archipelago, which I highly recommend, starring uh, the villain from the new four movie, Tom Hilston. Hmm. 
it's good it's uh it's very different it's um i don't know really how to describe it it's a film that has all these very static camera shots and no score so you'd imagine it'd get very boring but the characters are so intriguing which is what makes it stand out well i i it's really well written really um I nearly got an interview with a director and I couldn't end up, we couldn't end up finding a time to get it done, which is a shame because I'd really like to talk about it with her. Uh, um, Never Let Me Go. I saw that. It was fine. I, I liked it quite a bit. Really? Yeah. I, um, I just couldn't connect with it. Hmm. It's weird. I throughout the whole movie, I thought it was kind of cold and distant. But I don't know. Towards the end, I, I it just uh, the tears they just they just poured out, you know. So I th- I thought it was a movie that just kind of built power over its time to- over time. And I I don't know. <laughs> I felt um I felt uh, that it kind of said a lot that I thought Moon had said better the year before. Hmm. Interesting. But um, I thought the performances were good, and I thought um, at one point Andrew Garfield shaves his head, and I, I now want him to play uh, Joshua Jackson in the Joshua Jackson story. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was just like, that's Pacey. He's on screen. Someone, hey, someone needs an American accent in Social Network. Can he do a Canadian accent now? Uh, oh, you know he can. <laughs> Someone needs to make the Joshua Jackson story. This has to happen. Wow. <laughs> wow. Uh, anything else of note that you wanted to bring up at all, Jack? Or? Um, I'm sure you've noticed it's all pouring out of me, so uh, probably not. Fair enough. I, can't re- I saw Paranormal Activity 2, which I despised, but... Um... <laughs> Oh, actually, yes, there is one. The surprise film of the festival. Every year, the surprise film of the BFI London Film Festival is a really big event. People love it. Um, I got to see the wrestler there with a Q&A from Mickey Rourke and Darren Aronofsky afterwards. It, it's always been very interesting. And then last year, it was Capitalism, a Love Story. Hmm. So everybody was a bit, hmm, really? This is your big event? So we, everybody's expecting a really big film this year, something huge. Um, I was hoping for True Grits. Um, what we got was Brighton Rock. Is never, that, never heard of this thing. Um, um, isn't Sam, isn't Sam, Sam Riley's in that, right? Yeah, he is. And it's a cl- kind of classic British book story. And it's been a film before, I forget who with. This film was mind-numbingly dull. <laughs> Sam Riley, uh, as much as I loved him in Control, he really doesn't give a good performance here. It's the most kind of stereotypical villain performance I've ever seen. Um, Helen Mirren and John Hurt are there just to kind of add some British class, but it's not enough to kind of save this really poor retelling of a good story that's been put in the the 60s for some reason when the book is actually set in the 40s. Huh. <sighs> Just, and I hate saying it's bad because my uncle actually worked on it, but <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just couldn't enjoy it. There was, and I, from what I've read, everybody is really just, they're saying two years running now, 
the surprise one has been bad. But then again, one year it was Johnny Monomic, so Wow. <laughs> <just> that. <laughs> All right. And, and Jack, as someone who whose uncle worked on steel, I feel your pain. <laughs> Actually, oh, I must mention somewhere. I did get Oh, it you somewhere. saw it? Wow, oh. what'd you think? <laughs> it went nowhere. Really? Oh, yeah. Uh. yeah, I was dis I'm a huge I love the Virgin Suicide and I love um, Lost in Translation. Uh, Marie Antoinette was the first film I ever walked out of because I didn't, I, I just couldn't come to grips with it. And uh, somewhere really is, it's, I think Sofia Capone is trying to rehash um, Lost in Translation with this movie completely. It's about an actor who feels his life is going nowhere, staying in hotels. <laughs> And he goes to Spain, and they don't. No, they go to Italy, and he doesn't understand the language. Wow! Hmm. I, I heard um, the, yeah, um, a critic, uh, Todd McCarthy. He wrote right. He wrote for Variety. He called it Junior League Antonioni. Would you agree with that? Um, I'd actually rather put that on uh, the Archipelago film I was talking about earlier. I felt that was far more Antonioni than um than this. I. It just didn't go. It really doesn't go anywhere. I don't think it says much. It's another one of these films where these this kind of man who seems to have this very great life is, and he's just detached from it and is upset by that and realizes that he hasn't spent enough time with his daughter. It just it's felt very typical, something I've seen before. And you know, does Stephen Dorff's career need to be resurrected? Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 the most interesting scenes are the one when the ones when Chris Pontius is on screen. Oh shit! <laughs> As any movie with Chris Pontius should be, but um, <laughs> uh, just I was really upset. I was really looking forward to it. Uh, was the soundtrack at least good? Yeah, the soundtrack was good. Okay. Can't remember most of the stuff on it, but I remember enjoying it and digging it at the time. But it was just, just there was just so little to say about it. And, do you think? Know. Do you think there's some favoritism involved? You know, the, the controversy over here, of course, is that Quentin Tarantino, heading the jury, gave it the best film award at a recent film festival. Do you think? You know, and of course, the the scandal was that you know Tarantino and Coppola used to date, so they feel like there's <laughs> obvious you know favoritism would, there. Seriously, those two would make such hideous children. <laughs> <laughs> wow all right the talented young filmmaking children though yeah <laughs> it's not acting uh i just i don't know i i i can see some people liking it saying oh it means this it's 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 means this on a sub level but for me it was just it was just there you you kind of watched it. It didn't stay with me at all. I, I mean, I forgot about it till the end of the film festival. For a film, I was really excited about as well. Wow. So I, I don't know. That's <laughs> Just, a shame. It's a shame to hear this. Though. I appreciate your your candor because uh, this is this is kind of a wild card for us over here. There have been all these um, articles coming out about the best films of the year. What are the Oscar front runners? Everyone's talking about the Social Network, the Kids Who Are All Right, Inception, Toy Story Three, and this is the one. You know, unlike True Grit, where people, you know, the jury's still out because it really hasn't been widely screened for people. But like, 
but somewhere it was kind of like the the wild card over here like this thing is going to get released christmas day and you know it's like is this thing going to just like explode or is it going to be like another shipping news where it's supposed to be this big oscar movie and then it just vanishes so yeah it sounds like it's uh We'll get to see it at some point, I know. Yeah, it, we're, we're, I don't think we're getting it until, yeah, like Christmas, which means, like, yeah. you know, it'll get wide in January, yeah. if if it gets that far, so. Yeah, yeah. So I do uh, say see it, but... um, Temper the expectations? With caution. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's too bad. Definitely. Man, you saw a lot of films. You saw a lot of movies this year. I'm pretty sure there are more. There's, like, there's Mars, where my review is up on the site, which I've grown fonder of on t- in time, but... uh. It just, uh, I, I guess I, 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 I was dying to see Black Swan, which was impossible to go see. Um, um, I wanted to see you, another year. So you said there were more. Did you by any chance see the new, was the new Greg Araki movie there? Because I saw that at the festival here a few weeks ago. Yeah, that was there. And again, it was just, uh, it was playing on only weeknights and couldn't make it up then. <laughs> Fair enough. So, did you enjoy covering it as, as as a press for your first time? I did. I did. Um, I had I had fun. Like I, I mean, originally Screen Geeks doesn't cover much weight in um London yet. <laughs> I'm shocked <laughs> but, to hear um, that. <laughs> and uh, me being very new at this and then not explaining completely where I needed to go for all things, I did end up as a photographer one night. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> I was thought I was getting interviews. Actually, that's it. That's another film I really liked. Ned's. Ned's is the new film from uh, Peter Mullen, which I did get to go see. Which is um, kind of like. Did you guys get to see This Is England? No, yeah, I did. I did. It, it's kind of like This Is England, but like This Is Scotland, because mm. it's in Scotland. It's really well done until like the last 15 minutes when the main character has a drunken fight with Jesus. Wow. Wait, um, <laughs> Peter, P, uh, Peter Moulin, he's the same guy who was in the Red Riding trilogy, right? Yes, I believe so, yes. Okay. Um, no, this is a really quite wonderful movie up until the last 15 minutes, and it's um, kind of about how we see people um do we see them by their families or do we make uh, do we make their our impressions of themselves and it's this kid who's growing up who's had this kind of horrible older brother who's been a bully at school and kind of a vandal and now they're seeing this kid who's trying to work his way out of that as this vandal again and he kind of falls into that way because that's how everyone sees him and it's a really kind of a very nicely written, very funny at points, in fact, uh, film. And just up until the fight with Jesus, it's really good. Well, when you said it's like this is England, I just instantly assumed it had skinheads in it. No, no skinheads, but it's got, it's, it, I, I, it reminded me of this is England a lot of just the kind of messages it tried to bring out. Uh, I was a big fan of this is England and. It is nearly as good. Hmm. Cool. Right on. Well, you also. I, I'm pretty sure that's it now. Okay, fair. That's okay. Hey, like Barry said, we really appreciate you covering it for yeah. us. You're doing the Twin Peaks convention or festival coming up here pretty soon too, right? Yeah, yeah. And um, I I have a interview lined up with a kid from Harry Potter, which not one that you'll know, but um. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a kid from Harry Potter, so that that should get all the kids excited. <laughs> Yay! Cool, sweet. Well, and hopefully we'll get to let you cover this for us again next year. And, 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 oh, and um, there's the Edinburgh Film Festival that I always try and check out. So yeah, hey, if you need that as well, <laughs> wonderful, absolutely. Hey, anything and everything, and any way we can help too. So yeah. Um, next week we're going to talk about the Denver Film Festival and I think that'll kind of wrap up festival season for us for the year yes a lot of festivals this year yeah no kidding fun stuff though yeah. um, let's go ahead and move on talk about what's hitting theaters this weekend the whole two movies coming out well speaking Ooh. of Harry Potter this weekend you have Harry Potter and the Deathly Hollows part one yep with the sequel fo- following in what July something something like that yeah and then the new film from Paul Haggis the director of Crash and In the Valley of Elah the next three days with uh, Ridley Scott's favorite actor, Russell Crowe. That joke was for you, Ethan. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. Yep. Yep. So yep. Harry Potter or catch up on other stuff, pretty much. Yep. And then coming up on DVD. DVD, Beauty and the Beast, the two-disc diamond DVD. This, this is an odd trend that Disney has of releasing the Blu-ray combo. So I've got the three-disc with the two Blu-rays and the DVD copy. And then later, for everyone who doesn't want to do Blu-ray, they don't want to touch Blu-ray, they're going to release the movie by itself for 20 bucks on DVD. I don't get it, but okay. Mm. They get away with they it must because be making they're, money. they're Disney. They can do whatever the heck they want. And I did screw up on one title. Apparently, it got pushed back to this week, but okay, yeah. All right. Uh, and then two films that actually got released on the same weekend, uh, the two films that actually took a huge bite out of Scott Pilgrim, the aforementioned Sylvester Stallone's blockbuster comeback, The Expendables, starring every actor who was ever cool in 1986. It's available <laughs> on a three-disc Blu-ray DVD DC. What's digital DC? copy. Oh, digital copy. Coaster. Coaster. Yeah. All right. So there's that. I don't I want to see that movie again. I, I enjoyed it. A uh, film I will never get behind, um, Eat... Pray, Love, clunky title, clunky movie with Julia Roberts. Uh, after the aforementioned film, Fritz Long's The Complete Metropolis. Apparently got pushed back a week. Sorry about that. That's okay. Oh, man, I can't wait for this. This is a new new event on Criterion. Criterion's releasing America Lost and Found, the BBS story. What is this composed of? This is a lot of Jack Nicholson films. Head, uh, the film about the Monkees musical, frankly, which has Jack Nicholson in a cameo, but also has Frankie and Annette Funicello in it. I hear it's um, just nuts. It's great. Yeah, I've seen Head. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Cool. Wait, did Bob Raffleson do that? Bob Raffleson. Thank you. Yep, Bob Raffleson did that. Uh, let's see, Easy Rider, of course, uh, the Dennis Hopper, uh, Peter Fonda movie. I just showed this in my class a month ago with Jack Nicholson and his first Oscar-nominated performance. Uh, five Easy Pieces, another Oscar-nominated performance. Bob Raffleson, Jack Nicholson, the, the legendary scene in the restaurant. But, you know, the film itself is, is wonderful. That's my favorite uh, Nicholson performance. That's that's a good choice. That's such a good choice because he's it's it's pure. It's he's not self aware yet, and it's just you know back when he was wily and taking all sorts of chances. Um, the first film Jack Nicholson ever directed, never released on DVD. I'm excited. I've never seen this. Um, in fact, the VHS copy of it has been out of print for decades. Drive, he said, which stars Bruce Dern as a basketball coach. Um, I've been dying to see this, even though the the reviews were very mixed when it first came out. Um, I've seen this one. This is a weird one, A Safe Place. A Safe Place stars Jack Nicholson, Tuesday Weld, and Orson Welles. 
Um, it's almost plotless. It's basically a film that's a total reflection of the flower flower power area era, rather. And Orson Welles just kind of shows up randomly and does magic tricks throughout the film. And Jack Nicholson plays the boyfriend role, and he plays it well, but it's it's not much of a role. I think he apparently he did the film as a favor. Um, a safe place is bizarre, but as a relic of its time, it's really interesting to see. Uh, the Last Picture Show, uh, Nicholson's not in that one, but what the heck? It's uh, one of the best films of the 1970s. Peter Bogdanovich's masterpiece with Jeff Bridges, one of his great performances, one of his first performances. Also has the now infamous Randy Quaid, who is excellent in the film. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why I brought that up. I like Randy Quaid. Were aliens chasing him down uh, (laughs) at this point, too? He's very young in the film, but he's wonderful in the film, of course. So is Cloris Leachman, who won the Oscar, and uh, Ben Johnson, who also won the Oscar. Everybody in this movie is amazing. Uh, Civil Shepherd's great. Um, Yeah, I love The Last Picture Show. Beautiful film. Sad film, but beautiful film. And then finally... Very underrated movie. This is all in the same collection, by the way. This is all in the same collection. Uh, Bob Rappleson's The King of Marvin Gardens with Jack Nicholson and Bruce Dern. Bruce Dern and Nicholson actually switched roles in this film, which is why Nicholson's role is so subdued and Dern's role is so flamboyant. So it's really interesting to watch when you consider that. And finally, last two titles, Batman Beyond, the complete series, limited edition. Which this is like if you saw the uh, Batman <clears throat> excuse me, animated series that came out a while back. It was like a big rectangular box. It was a cool set, but it had like one extra bonus disc that was like a half hour fluff. So if you already have the series like I do, I won't be buying this. But if you don't, it's an awesome series while we're checking out. Okay. And then finally, a movie that could very well be up for the Best Actor Academy Award because there's been a lot of talk about that. The Andy Kaufman Cinematic Prank of the Year by Joaquin Phoenix, I'm Still Here, directed by Casey <laughs> Affleck. Wait, that, that was quick. Yeah, really quick. Really quick. I saw that in September. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, that's all we got. We don't have any email or voicemails this week. Uh, I do need to make one quick correction. Unfortunately, I screwed up when I was reading Tim's email last week. The website isn't Silent Gnome Productions. It's Giant Gnome Productions. That was my bad totally. So sorry about that. They do some really cool audio dramas. A lot of them are Star Trek-based. But yeah, good stuff. Check it out. Um, If you want to shoot us an email, by all means do. You can email us at Dave, Barry, Ethan, or yes, podcast, perhaps even Jack at ScreenGeeks.com. We all have email addresses, so yes. Uh, if you want to leave us a voicemail, you can also give us a call at 719-358-2675. And I guess that'll wrap it up. Yay. Jack, thanks for joining us, Thank sir. you, Jack, so much. Thank you for listening to me bumble my way. No, you did great. You did great. And, and for that matter, I, want, I really want to see Submarine. It sounds really good. Yes. It really is. Very cool. Right Ethan, on. as always, thank you so much for joining I'm us, buddy. I'm going to thank you because I am jealous. Okay. I'm jealous of you too, sir, so we can sit like that. (laughs) All right. Wow. I don't know. Until next week, this is Dave. This is Barry. Ethan. Jack. Bye.